0: contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt, brought to you by BetOnline. If you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to BetOnline and use promo code PODCAST1, all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, number one, to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now to the business of sports with Andrew Brand, a Branch Rants edition. What I'm going to talk about today is really talking about rookie contracts in the NFL. It's a uh, one-sided affair. It has been, and it's kind of agreed to by not only the owners, but the players. We'll talk about that. I also want to talk about the NBA and Adam Silver, the progressive leaders in the space of gaming and sports gambling, sports betting, Interesting partnership ahead that could have some ramifications. And we'll also talk about holdouts in the NFL, including Aaron Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, the difference between the two, and what may happen going forward in this Branch Rants edition. We'll start with these rookie contracts. And the reason I start is because there's still one of the 256 drafted players that is yet to sign. He's in Chicago. His name is Roquan Smith. He's represented by CAA. Why hasn't he signed? A lot of things could go into it. One of the reasons seems to be some language. You know, when the CBA was done, the owners and players agreed on kind of a predetermined compensation for really every one of these 256 draft picks, what they'll make in bonus, what they'll make over four years. They're all four-year contracts. What they did not preset or predetermine or prefabricate like they did the money was the language. So that leaves each team up to its own devices in terms of what kind of language they're going to put in the contract. And teams are smart, and teams know they have leverage, and teams are crafting and drafting onerous language that's very one-sided towards the team. So the agents have gotten their pound of flesh in this new CBA with guaranteed contracts. At least the top of the draft, the first 20 or so picks are fully guaranteed contracts. Then 20 through 32 have some level of guarantee in the fourth year, not a full guarantee. That's the pound of flesh. In fact, those 20 contracts are the only four-year guaranteed contracts in the whole NFL. Kirk Cousins doesn't have one. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have one. Tom Brady certainly doesn't have one. It's the rookies that got that. But the owners and teams got smart. They said, all right, we'll give you these guarantees, but we're going to mitigate our risk. And ultimately, every contract is about mitigation of risk and how do you control and manage the risk because listen you never know at the signing where everyone's happy and taking pictures and shaking hands if the player is going to be undervalued or overvalued if the player is going to be a bust or, an, or a hall of famer or if the player is going to be off the field problem or character asset so these are things you don't know as you look forward when you're signing players But the contract can mitigate the risk. One of the major mitigation factors we've talked about with rookie contracts is offset. Offset is you're going to give him a four-year guarantee, but if you cut him before the end of those four years and he goes to another team, that amount paid from the other team is offset against what you owe. It's a mitigation of risk. Teams are getting this in. I think the Rams are the only team that doesn't seem to care about this. So every other team is like, yeah, we're forcing you to do that, even number one pick. Baker Mayfield, he signed with offsets. The other way teams are forging their will and imposing their will with guaranteed contracts is they're voiding the guarantees, meaning invalidating them, subject to behavior. And the behavior is usually off the field, whether it's conduct, drug, or or, uh, steroid policy suspension. But now we're talking about voiding future guarantees, which could be as high as $30 million dollars. For on-field conduct, this is the issue with Roquan Smith. We still don't know if the Bears are insisting on language for suspension for on-field play, including the lowering the helmet rule. We don't know if it's involved with uh, unnecessary roughness-type penalties. But the fact is, the Bears are holding firm with language that invalidates Rohan Smith's huge guarantees going forward. If he gets in trouble off the field, but, and we're led to believe even on the field, suspensions. Now, again, the teams don't have to, but it's their right to void future guarantees, and that's something that's very, very valuable to teams should it happen. Uh, I'm in Philadelphia. I just think about Lane Johnson had a huge contract extension. His guarantees were voided when he got a second steroid suspension. That's $50 million of potential money. Now, voiding of guarantees doesn't mean the player's cut. It just means he's got to earn his money like a non-guaranteed player, just like uh, as if he doesn't have that guarantee. So it's an onerous clause. The You know, what's going on is I'm sure the Bears are holding firm. I'm sure CAA, which represents Smith, is trying to forge and see if this kid will stay out longer and if there's any reason to get it going at some point, I think the kid will come in. Rohan Smith. I'm sorry. Ropon Smith will be in, I would say by August 15th, give that as a target date and he'll come in likely signing exactly what they want. Maybe CAA will, will wrangle some concessions in terms of cash flow of the bonus in terms of payout in future years and roster bonuses in March, the money, the money behind, beyond salary That's the way they can do it. They did it with Sam Darnold where they, you know, they fought the language and they couldn't make any move on the language, but they got the bonus paid early. I think he gets all $30 million within the calendar year, which is strong. Yeah. CA has been especially vigilant on these clauses. We know about Joey Boza a couple of years ago where Boza stayed out the longest of any player in the history of this new CBA, seven years, stayed out, I think four or five weeks, eventually came in, and Joey Bosa became a star but they were fighting over payment terms of the bonus and they were fighting over second uh, uh you know offset and how that was going to work and of course the offset always wins by the team maybe got a little better cash flow on the bonus but Bosa did come in so agents are looking for ways to distinguish themselves CAA of course one of the biggest agencies fighting all these language issues because they know agents know there's not a lot they can do on the money so, they try to work on the backside of the contract. That's where you can make a difference. And CA, judging by the fact they've signed so many players um, in the uh, first round, seems to be working. You know, it seems to be working where they're signing players that are doing well. And so it seems to be working, uh, Whatever, whatever. Uh, what's the word opposition they're giving to teams as modest. The gains may be. They seem to be working in terms of uh, negotiating some kind of interest in getting these recruits to sign. ca has got a lot of top first round picks. The other thing, the final thing to say about rookie contracts. And again, everybody, Roquan Smith has signed as we hear sit here in early August, not an issue with holdouts on any kind of broad scale. Never has been with this new CBA. Here's the thing to know of all the issues covered in the CBA negotiations of 2011, which I covered closely for ESPN. The one that I thought was easiest to negotiate is this. It's the rookie sacrifice. Rookies made too much. The owners were embarrassed by the contracts given out, especially at the top of the draft for the Jamarcus Russells and the Ryan Leafs and players like that. And these players were coming in making more than any player in the league. Sam Bradford, the last bonus baby, $50 million guaranteed in 2010. Now, we fast forward to the player's side. Veteran players are negotiating this agreement. Veteran players also believe rookies make way too much money. Veteran players are saying, you know what, owners, you're right. They do make too much money. So what happened? They took a hammer, a sledgehammer, to the rookie compensation system. No more of these first-round contracts, like I negotiated one year for A.J. Hawk, who was the fifth pick in the draft, that have all these bells and whistles, like buybacks, like boys, like second signing bonuses, like a whole second rookie pull attachment. Contracts that would run 30, 40, 50 pages long, these were the hardest contracts to negotiate in the NFL, these top rookie contracts. No more. Every drafted rookie must now sign a four-year contract with no opportunity to renegotiate. Until they've been in the league for three years, that creates incredible value for teams, especially when players are doing well younger in, in their second and third years. You get players like a Russell Wilson, who is playing for six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars, as uh, his colleagues of similar value were playing for twenty million dollars. And now you have Dak Prescott playing for six hundred thirty thousand dollars. Prescott is where his colleagues at the same level are playing for twenty five million dollars. So it's an amazing value for the Cowboys. They're getting such a cheap uh, quarterback and they can apply assets to other areas of the team. What a value that is. And the rookie compensation system, again, it is a sacrifice that rookies are making. Of course, rookies don't have a seat at the table. The only people looking out for rookies tend to be agents like CAA. The union doesn't seem too fond of helping them. Owners don't want to help them veteran players certainly don't want to help them because that's a pool of money that could go to them rather than the rookies. So hundreds of millions over the course of seven years already have been slashed from rookie pay rookie sacrifice. That's what's happening. These clauses are owners. Roquan Smith, as I said, I predict will be in in a week by August 15th. And before we get to our next topic about the NBA and Adam silver, a new partner in the sports gambling space, Let's talk about sports gambling. It's a very exciting time in the gaming world. It's a pleasure to announce that Bet Online is the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. These are our go-to guys, the guys we trust for all things betting, lines, odds, wagers, inside info, you name it, betonline.ag. You know, football season's right around the corner. If you want to make your wagers, you go to BetOnline, take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Now use promo code PODCAST1, all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1. To receive a fifty percent sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. The NBA and Adam Silver—they have been the most progressive in this area that I've been covering sports betting for quite some time. I remember, out of the blue, Adam Silver writes an op-ed, New York Times, November two thousand, I believe fourteen, where he just says it's time to bring gambling out of the darkness into the light. Is trying time to get legalization going and that's what all these commissioners want like adam silver like roger goodell like gary bettman like rob manford but they wanted federal and i've talked about this before it's a little late for that because they could have had federal for years and years and years they never thought they'd lose the case they lost the case new jersey wins a sports betting case in may 14th and here we are new jersey's in delaware's in mississippi's now in these states are now state-by-state patchwork of legalized sports betting, and you have a situation where, wow, it's happening. Why would there need to be federal legislation? Well, that's what the leagues want, but we'll see. The Adam Silver and the NBA Progressive, again, they become the first league to partner with a casino gaming operation in all of professional sports. They partner with MGM. It's not a huge deal financially, but what it gives the NBA is integrity. It has now an integrity unit. MGM, like Caesars, like Bally's, like all these Bellagio, they have integrity units because they're watching gaming at their sportsbook, at their casinos, at their game tables with a hawk eye and certainly with valued knowledge to see any spikes, any spikes in betting, any Irregularities, if that's happening, MGM's done that. Now MGM's the partner for the NBA; they can do that for them. The reason I mention this is this gives the NBA some leverage as they go to these state legislatures that are writing the laws for sports betting. They can say, you know what, we should get a fee here. What call it integrity fee, call it uh, uh, inventory fee, whatever you want, because look what we have. We not only have our inventory which, of course, game casinos can all, and states can also say, always say, well, we have your inventory. You don't have it. Everyone has it. It's basketball. But now they can say, we have Integrity Unit. We have MGM watching out for any improprieties like they do in Europe. It's the first deal of its kind. Again, a trailblazer in this area is Adam Silver and the NBA. What they've done here is they've really opened the door. So is the NBA going to partner with Caesars, NFL, say, partner with Caesars? Is Pick a name. Is the Major League Baseball going to partner with Harrahs? What's going on with DraftKings and FanDuel? All these kind of questions are being answered. But of note was the NBA partnership with MGM. Think about that in a football context where you actually have a league partnering with a casino. I think – I'll I'll correct myself if I'm wrong – the NFL does still not allow players to even be in casinos, even though, wink, wink, they know they are, especially in the summer. But they have a taboo about casinos still do, and here is the NBA partnering sponsored revenue from MGM, which I think, again, is a sign towards the future, what's going to happen with legalized sports gaming, especially in Vegas. So, And by the way, the future of that to me is all app and mobile because you start betting on your phone, it becomes addictive, there are going to be so many bets made on these phones, uh, on the mobile devices in terms of next goal, next play, next touchdown, next fumble, you pick the next home run, next single, next strikeout. Uh, with the, we're only limited by our imagination thinking about what these apps, I guess that's what they are, can do for gaming and gambling in the NBA. Okay, uh Last topic, let's talk about back to football. There have been a couple holdouts of defensive linemen out west. I think we'll talk about it individually. First, Aaron Donald. People say, well, the Rams, they got Brandon Cooks done. They got Todd Gurley done. Their signed named Dominican and Sue. They traded for a keep to leave. What about poor um, Aaron Donald, maybe the best player in the league? Here, in defense of the Rams, you do the deals that you can do. Brandon Cooks was right. The owner agents were at the right price. They did the deal. Todd Gurley, agents are at the right price. They did the deal. They've been trying with agents Todd France uh, of CAA for years. They have, they just can't find common ground. I'm not in the negotiation, but what I think going on with Aaron Donald is he wants to be paid like Indomitian soon. Now his teammate uh, paid like him when he was a free agent, which is basically saying, we don't think we should negotiate as if we only have one team negotiate, even though that's the reality. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think Aaron Donald, you know, deadline spur action. We'll see if it's sort of an end of training camp which he's missing for the second straight year, if something's going to happen with Aaron Donald. The key to me is can he adjust? So the Rams are not going to pay retail, and retail is what Ndamukong Sue got because he was out there and he had teams bidding and he got 60 over the first three, I believe, and he got a strong deal and years ago, so inflation obviously has picked up. But we'll see where that goes, you know, in terms of, Aaron Donald, I think they will get a deal. I think by year two, they will find the common ground. On the other hand, uh, Oakland Raiders star defensive lineman Khalil Mack has no deal. And if reports are be believed, has never even negotiated, as people haven't, about this kid in Oakland. And that's something to think about when you're trying to negotiate and you hear they haven't even talked. We don't know if that's true or an apocryphal story, but the fact is this, that Khalil Mack doesn't seem to have a willing audience to renegotiate his contract with one year left. So you have all kinds of responses that you can make to agents and players when there's noise about a renegotiation. You can engage obviously and redo the contract or add incentives or make some kind of per game roster bonuses that just beef up the total or you can get going. And what's happening with Khalil Mack is he's, You know, as every agent's trying to engage the front office, get them a little bit, you know, agitated so they do something. They get up, they make breakfast, and they get this kid, whatever it's going to be, get him to negotiate his contract. Here it just seems like John Gruden, Reggie McKenzie, the brass of the Oakland Raiders, don't want to do a deal. And they know they have the option payment, and they know that they have the franchise tag down the road. Curious, because Khalil Mack, obviously one of the best players in the league, but he's not getting a deal done. Rumors about being traded, please. He's, the Raiders are not going to trade their best player. Just never works out that way. But that was an interesting topic as well. And that's my rants. You know, it's the, the subtopics as we get around NFL training camps. I always think it's interesting to talk about the betting scene in the NFL. Uh, I'm sorry, in the NBA and where it's going in the NFL. So we have that going on. And of course, I talked about the two holdouts, two different situations. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Listen to your podcast wherever you hear him. Stitcher, tune in, RossTucker.com, iTunes. Give us a good rating if you would. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.